When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Every little bit helps, or so the saying goes. That might even apply to your daily commute. Something as simple as walking to the bus or the car might help to reduce your chances of getting cardiovascular disease. I spoke with Dr. Oliver Mitten, lecturer in public health at Cambridge University, to find out more. So this is a piece of work I undertook with some of my colleagues here. The lead author is um, Jenna Panter. And we're interested in understanding the health benefits of active travel. So when I say active travel, I mean walking or cycling as a form of transport. And we sometimes also think of public transport as part of active travel. So in this paper, we were trying to understand some of the health benefits associated with active travel. We've taken a slightly different approach from previous work. So we've compared people who exclusively use the car for travel with people who've, who aren't just relying on the car. So they're just walking or cycling to work. But for most people, it's actually incorporating walking or cycling alongside public transport or driving the car. So the idea you've come across basically is that every little bit helps. I suppose broadly, yes, and in some ways that's what this work was different to previous studies because we've, rather than just looking at walking and cycling as pure forms of travel, we've had this very sort of mixed group of people who are undertaking lots of different types of active travel. So we compared these people who were exclusively travelling by car with people undertaking more active patterns of travel and then we looked at their risk of developing um, cardiovascular disease, uh, cancer and uh, of all-cause mortality. And what did you find? How more likely were they to develop those things? So for um, cardiovascular disease, we found people who had a more active pattern of travel relative to exclusive car use had uh, an 11% lower risk of developing cardiovascular disease, and they had a 30% lower risk of dying of cardiovascular disease. How did you go about finding this result? So we've used a very large study, it's called UK Biobank Study, so around half a million people were enrolled at baseline, they went to one of 22 centres across the UK and they complete a baseline questionnaire on socio-demographic characteristics, age, sex, uh, occupation, income, very detailed information about their health behaviours and their health status and they also told us about how they travel to work and also how they travel um, for non-work travel. So... In these kind of studies, it's one thing correlates with another thing. Often they can both be caused by a third factor that's hiding in the background. How did you work on controlling for that or trying to combat that? So that's a very important point. It's an observational study, so we can't say anything strongly about causation. And a large part of that is something we call confounding. So as you say, sometimes there's a third variable that may be um, causally linked with the health outcomes of interest, but also linked to the risk factor we're studying. It may, for example, be that people who travel more actively also eat a better diet, and we know that eating a better diet protects against cardiovascular disease. And so it might be that third factor that's explained the pattern of results we found. So we can mitigate that to a, a fairly good extent by using statistical methods or adjustment where we control for or adjust for these factors. So we adjusted for socio-demographic factors and area-level factors, so age and gender, 
urban or rural status. In the next step, we then adjusted for uh, measures of socioeconomic status, so occupation and income. We then additionally adjusted for other health behaviours, smoking, diet, alcohol consumption, sleep. And then the final step, we also adjusted for some other indices of cardiovascular disease, so body mass index, self-reported high blood pressure. You said there the difference between urban and rural environments. So were there any differences in those kind of factors between urban and rural areas where rural people might have to take the car, for example? I think you raise a very interesting point about the role the environment has in shaping our behaviours. And that was part of the reason for adjusting for urban and rural status, but also because there might be other factors in urban or rural areas that might influence people's risk of heart disease. But more broadly, I, I think the environment is, is a very important factor in terms of influencing how people travel. And I think one of the messages that comes out to me from this study is that if we want to encourage people to be more active, we, we do need to look at how the environment influences their activity and their behaviours. So if people were going to take away one thing from the work you've done here, what would you like it to be? I think a simple message is um, swapping your car for a more active pattern of travel can reduce your risk of heart disease and strokes. That was Oliver Mitten, and his and Jenna Panter's work has just been published in the journal Heart.